0: we are talking about something we've never ever talked about on this show before that I think in terms of becoming more visible in terms of making connections building your list and making people look and think of you as a leader in your field and grabbing all those connections. And that is virtual summits. What are virtual summits all about? And how can you, as a leader in your field or an emerging leader, use them to the best of your ability to get some amazing results for your business? So I, not so long ago, I joined an incredible community. And uh, what I love about it is there are people from all over the world doing some amazing, incredible things. And I, a few weeks ago, hopped on a call with the gentleman who is coming in to join us today. It's Jan Koch, who is the CEO of Virtual Summit Mastery. And when we had that call, I felt like that we just kind of clicked. I think sometimes you get on a call, you can can just talk and there was so much synergy in what we're doing for our audiences and how we think. So I'm really excited to bring Jan on for you today to find out much more about Virtual Summits. So hello.
1: (laughs) Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you're coming to us today from where?
1: I am in Germany near the North Sea. Okay.
0: And you, you really have created and uh, are involved in this incredible business called Virtual Summit Mastery. Let's start at the very beginning with that for people who might not know, might not know what a virtual summit actually is beyond the fact they've probably clicked on and been to, you know, a Zoom call or, or whatever. What, what really is a virtual summit? How
1: would you define that? Yeah, great question. They've been around for ages, actually. So with with everything that happened over the past few years, this concept of physical conferences going online became omnipresent, if you want. Suddenly, everybody was talking about virtual conferences and summits and so on. They've been around for at least 25 years, I would say, in specific industries like health and fitness and nutrition and so on. You've had telemarketing uh, summits in the late 90s even. And what they are essentially is you take the concept of a physical conference where you have a start date and an end date. You have speakers giving presentations. You have group discussions on panels. Mm -hmm. You have the attendees who network in in the cafeteria and and during lunch breaks and so on. You try to bring that entire concept online. So you make Mm -hmm. people sign up Usually for a free ticket with their email address, they get to see specific types of content over a set period of days. And that allows you as the summit host to win their uh, trust, to get them to know and like and trust you, as people say, and to build your audience and influence and revenue.
0: So let's talk about the... Let's talk about the practicalities of that, that then, because if you're hosting an event where you've got multiple speakers over multiple days, that could feel quite hard. That can feel like a lot of work. So one, talk to us about those practicalities. And two, just demonstrate what those real benefits are when this works properly.
1: Yeah. So... It is a reasonable amount of work, I want to say. You're not going to kill yourself with work, but it's also not something that you will get done in a weekend. Usually when people sign up to my course, I have them budget about 90 days from idea to finished virtual summit. And it sounds overwhelming when you think about, oh, I want to interview, let's say, 20 speakers. The summit should go four or five days. You make it easier for yourself when you say, okay, let's do them pre-recorded. So that's only recording 20 interviews and you could record like two or three interviews a day and within two weeks you are done with that. And then all you need is a website where people can sign up to an email list and where you can deliver those summit sessions. And if you want to sell the replays, you need a payment gateway and membership area. But so let's
0: there's... stop there. So so in theory, a virtual summit then is free? Yeah. Okay. Well, so most, most of the time. Most of the time they're free. Yeah. And the reason they're free is because what you're wanting to do is make it a very easy yes for people to come onto Yeah, list. you want
1: to build your email list. You want to build your audience mm-hmm. with that. And usually the way you do this is you have uh four traffic sources. Usually you have your own audience, you have the speakers, you have affiliates, and you have either paid traffic or you have sponsors who promote the summit as well. And if you make it a free event it's very easy for the speakers to share the event with their audience because they look good by giving their audience a free resource with additional speakers providing valuable information mm. not just themselves
0: and it elevates you, their status too within right. the industry if you're on a pan if you're on a panel or you're speaking alongside somebody else who's really great in your industry that always feels kind of good
1: Right. And that is why speakers still promote to this day. You have to chase them more because the more popular somebody is, the more often they are at a virtual summit Mm -hmm. or conference or whatever you want to call that. And the less likely they are to promote. So you have to chase them a little bit. Mm -hmm. But overall, make it free so that it is shareable and referable. Nobody says you cannot sell the replays. Nobody says you can't have sponsors who support the event monetarily in return for exposure Mm -hmm. being promoted to the audience. Nobody says you can launch a a course after the summit. You could still do that and make money using those avenues. But I would say keep it free to build the biggest list possible and worry about the money later on. Build that brand first.
0: Mm. So when this works, what happens?
1: Your business explodes when this works. I've had a student inside Virtual Summit Mastery last week share that they've made... Uh, they went from zero to 560,000 in the last six months by running a virtual summit.
0: 560,000 email yeah. addresses?
1: No, no dollars in revenue. Oh,
0: dollars, right, okay. okay. Dollars
1: in revenue. So wow. 400 of that was in profit. Mm-hmm. And the way they did that is they ran a virtual summit and they then they sold high-ticket products after the summit ended. And it is a launch-based business. So there's not like there's recurring revenue that builds up over time. But if they don't run a summit, they don't make money essentially. And what happens is there are these trickling effects, ripple effects where you get interviewed on other podcasts. People see you on a summit and they say, hey, I want to interview you on my show as well right. because I saw you on ABC Summit. Yep. Or you get to host uh, joint venture launches with speakers from your virtual summit. And people might reach out to you and say, hey, I've spoken at your summit mm-hmm. and I've seen 200 new signups to my email list. Let's do something together. Let's collaborate. And you you open the doors by building tons of relationships with the leaders in your space.
0: Mm. How often do people say, no, I don't want to come and be a speaker?
1: It's very rare. It's very rare. So you have speakers, the more popular they are, at some point they start to charge you money. They start to charge speaking fees. We've just signed uh, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income for one of the summits I'm working on. He's not going to do interviews for free anymore at his uh, status but usually they the speakers realize that it is a great way for them to build their brand if they mm. are aligned with 20 other speakers on the on the summit so usually mm. they do it for free and they are happy to be affiliates to promote the virtual summit and then make some money on the replays
0: and at any point are you tying in the speakers to committing to sending out however many emails. So, for example, in my business, I had agreed to speak at various summits. And that's fine. happy to do that. I'm happy to share it with my list. But we were then tied in to sending a lot of emails. That actually then meant, and we hadn't really realized exactly what that meant, but it meant we couldn't actually promote any of our stuff to our audience for about a three-week period. So... We made a decision that's not happening for an awfully long time. Tell me about decisions around the expectations for the speakers.
1: It's a very tricky situation. I think it is what gives this industry a little bit of a bad rap in terms of the speakers who, who look at virtual sounds when they're interviewed. I personally don't advocate for tying people into agreements like that if they are speaking for free, because there, there's no way I can demand that. Like we've done, we've just recorded an interview for List building school. Mm-hmm. I. I can't force you to promote this five times to your list because it would be detrimental to your own business. So why would I...
0: Yeah, we literally just got off recording that. That's what we're talking about there. We've just been over on Jan's podcast on a different StreamYard video to where we're recording this, literally back to back, because we thought, why not make the most of of having good chats on on an afternoon? So that's interesting then. So the commitment then is more... uh, a hope that there will be an, a, a desire for reciprocity, a desire yeah. to share because it, it promotes them, but not not then to kind of force them or tie them in to overly promoting at a point they might have something else going on in their business.
1: Right. Because what, what I think is the most or one of the most important benefits of being a summit host are the relationships you build with the speakers if we get along well in this process i can reach out to you at any point in time and offer to do something together with you again and we can Mm -hmm. share our audiences in the future why would i risk that for forcing you to send out three emails that you don't enjoy writing so they won't convert as well and even if i give you the swipe copy they won't convert even worse like you have have to have the long-term perspective with the virtual summit, if you do this right, you build relationships that can last for years. I have done the first summit ever in 2015 for my personal business. And to this day, I'm getting paid by one of the sponsors. That's seven years because we value the relationship more than pushing ourselves for, for some short-term gains. Mm. Now, the difference is when I pay you a speaking fee, let's say I pay you $20,000 to speak at the virtual summit. You bet that in that agreement, there will be a note of promote five times on social, promote Mm -hmm. three times via email and so on. But at that time, it is not so much the the personal connection, but it is a transaction. It's a business decision. Yes. Yes. And I think at that point, it's okay to tie people down to promote X number of times. But for Mm -hmm. a free speaker, you can't really demand that.
0: So when you've talked about your interviewing speakers, is that literally that you as the host are interviewing everybody
1: most of the times yes because what you want to achieve is that let's say when you when your session at list building school goes live your audience comes over because you, they know that you can deliver great value they see the two of us in that interview and they also see me interviewing five other experts on the same day talking about relevant topics so you want to have this effect where some attendee sees your face all the time, and the experts you bring on almost become replaceable because you have so many different experts of them and co- can cover so many different topics. Mm. So that makes now,
0: you the host, the most influential, the authority. In
1: the room. Even if you have no idea what you're talking about, you should of course understand the topic that you're interviewing the speakers on. But I am not an email marketing expert. I'm certainly not a podcast expert. That's why I had you on. And I just have to ask somewhat clever questions to make the speaker look good and extract some value out of the speakers during that interview. I, as the summit host, don't have to be an an established authority in my field. That's why I have the speakers on. I am just one step Mm -hmm. ahead of the audience and I'm just providing guidance to the attendees. And by that, I make myself more approachable. And it's less likely that the attendees put me on some form of pedestal and think they can't be like me or they can't reach out to me or something like that.
0: Mm, I've got all sorts of explosions going on in my head as to how this could be could work for us. We have run similar things in house, but we've maybe had one or two guests, and I've had to deliver a lot of lot. Not had to. I chose to deliver a lot of content myself, and then the list is smaller, the audience is smaller. Do you think, in your personal experience of this, do you think it is better to go at it knowing you're going to effectively do a launch for a program off the end of it, something that's, you know, a 2K program or or higher? Do you think it works best to do that? Or is it better to do it with the intention that this really is a a list building, but also also audience goodwill building event?
1: Depends on the situation where you are in business. If you can afford to invest in building that audience and building goodwill, then you don't necessarily need to tie it to a product launch. But most of the time you see the the six-figure summits, they always come when you have a 2K, 3K, 10K offer launched at the back of a virtual summit. Mm,
0: Very interesting.
1: what, What you just said also rang a bell with me. You said you chose to deliver a lot of content. That's something that I hear all the time when I'm speaking to people who consider investing in virtual summit mastery, enrolling in the program. They say... I'm not comfortable doing interviews. I'm not comfortable teaching. I don't have all this fancy gear and things like that. And what people need to realize is the best interviews are those where the guest does most of the talking. Right now, because when we record a list building school interview of yours, because we are both experienced in doing interviews, you could go on a tangent for 10 minutes, explain your podcast sales funnel process in detail, and I just relaxed and I, I just yeah. listened intentionally and thought about, okay, what do I want to dive deeper into? And that's the job of the summit host, essentially.
0: So do you think then it is a relatively easy yes for people who have more established businesses than you might have yourself?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think a virtual summit is a fantastic way to put your pole into the ground to make a name for yourself in your industry. Now, it is something that, as I said, will take about three months of work, give or take. I've seen people do it in in two months. I've seen people take six months. But what you need to realize is similar with a podcast. It has long-term effects. You can turn a summit into an on-demand format after the live version is over. And then essentially, you have a lead magnet on steroids for your email list. And would you,
0: would that be, that would be a complete freebie lead magnet, wouldn't necessarily be a paid thing?
1: Yeah, I Mm. I would keep it free for, let's say, five days, depending on the number of interviews. You can use a tool like Deadline Funnel to set that up very easily. Mm. And then you pitch the replays at an affordable price as an entry level offer, kind of, and then put people through your regular sales funnel.
0: I know that tech, despite the fact a lot of my listeners are podcasters or or. You should be. I hope if you're listening, getting ready to launch their podcast, tech can often be a bit of a headache. So, my question to you is: What are the technologies, the software, the platforms that you would that you've tried and tested, and what are the ones that you love for hosting a virtual summit?
1: Brilliant question. First of all, the tool we are using right now, Streamyard, is. Pretty darn epic to both record pre-recorded interviews or to do the live webinars and live interviews during the summit. You need to have some form of website where people can opt in with their email list and see the agenda and learn more about the summit. Inside VSM, I have templates for WordPress, ClickFunnels and Kartra where you can build those websites Mm -hmm. very easily. You can also use something like heysummit.com or similar tools, AirMeet. Where you can have essentially the entire summit on one platform. I'm not. I'm just personally not the biggest fan of that because it's a single point of failure. If something mm. breaks there, mm. the entire summit is offline. Mm. And then what you need is an email tool like ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, something like that, and mm-hmm. a payment gateway to collect payment for the replays.
0: Mm. So, in terms of the elements of having the networking side of a virtual summit, which I think is actually really important.
1: It is a really
0: yeah. important element that you're not just rocking up, doing a Zoom call and then not connecting again. What are the best platforms for those? Could you do something like StreamYard within a Facebook group? What would you consider for that aspect?
1: Yeah, I've done uh, StreamYard in Facebook groups and on pages as well. So when, for example, a sponsor wants to stream their webinar to the Facebook page, we we'll connect the StreamYard to that and then have a conversation on Facebook with their audience. What I also really like to do is just use a Zoom meeting, use a Zoom webinar and bring attendees together. So I would schedule these water cooler chats or coffee talks or whoever, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that on the official summit agenda so that people know, okay, on this day from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. There's open networking. Here's a Zoom link. Everybody knows Zoom. Everybody is familiar with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's not another learning hurdle.
1: Right. And then you just drive people into that Zoom room. Maybe you set up some breakout rooms if you want to separate the conversation based on topics. Yeah. And that's a fantastic way to bring people together. Live chat is very important. So for those live stream sessions, I always embed the YouTube live chat on the website. You can also use something like chat role that works very reliable. And then all sorts of gamification things if you wanted to, like live polls using mentimeter.com or something like that. I'll share the link with you and then we'll put that? it in what the does notes. That do? What
0: does that it's,
1: do? Essentially, it's a quizzing, polling tool where attendees can scan a QR code that you put on the screen in the screen share and they get taken to an app where they can answer questions of yours and the feedback pops up on the screen in real time so that on the live session, you can engage with what the attendees are answering.
0: I like that. That feels very swish. <laughs> Very
1: fancy.
0: So again, this is a question. This is one that you asked me earlier. What have I not asked that I should have asked?
1: <laughs> so um, it's a
0: hard one. It's a hard it, one, isn't it?
1: That's why I'm bringing it up all the time. Here. Yeah. I think what is the most important or what, what easily breaks the virtual summit to say it that way is that you don't emphasize the promotion enough. You think that you've interviewed people and you've had fantastic conversations with them and they'll surely promote the summit, right? The biggest mistake Summit hosts make is that they don't follow up with people who said they want to promote. Because if the affiliates don't promote and if the speakers don't promote, you won't get the audience for your virtual Summit. And by doing that, by just sending them an email every now and then and checking in with them, you can almost guarantee success for your virtual Summit. Mm,
0: It's great. I'm just thinking back to when I... We've agreed in the business that I'll go and support somebody on their summit. And then we're so busy that actually, if we don't have those email reminders, we don't, it doesn't happen. Not because we intend to let it slide, but it's not our core focus. Right. And actually, and it shouldn't be. One of the things I really like is when no, we're tagged on social media everywhere because it makes it much easier for us to go, okay, we've meant to, it's easy. It's easy for us to go and do that. We're always happy to do it. It's just got to be easy. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, I think you guys listening can probably tell I'm quite taken on the idea, um, but that we we have no capacity in my business to do anything much until well until after I've been to Necker Island and sorted things out with Richard Branson. So thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, it's been great to catch up with you, and yeah, I think we're going to be ending up having conversations about this on both sides of the table. I think
1: pretty sure. Thanks for having me, Anna.
0: So tell me then, what's the best place for people to come find you?
1: The best place is listbuilding.school, which is a free summit on email marketing. And if you want to see the entire concept in action, get your free ticket and learn about email marketing along the way.
0: There we go. Isn't that smooth? Thank you so much for coming on today. I hope you guys listening have enjoyed this. I really think that it could be a winner if you are seriously wanting to grow your list and increase your visibility within your field. And that's after all why you tuned into this podcast. So why wouldn't you? All right, take care.